We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. What's up, guys? Welcome into Bear Report Live, brought to you by the Bear Report. It's Usaid Koshal and Andrew Freeman here. You can follow us on Twitter at Usaid Koshal and at AJ Freeman25. Be sure to follow Bear Report on Twitter and Facebook at Bear Report Scout at Bear Report. Check out the Picks for Polls podcast as well. We broke down everything related to the 2022 NFL Draft. It's Friday night, about 10.30 p.m. Central Time that we're recording this. We got the New York Jets on the clock right now. They are wrapping up the third round as we speak. About three or four more picks to go before we look ahead to day three as well. The Bears join the action on Friday night. And I think, Andrew... I mean, let's just get right into it because it was super polarizing. I think all three of the Bears selections, you had people who loved and hated the Kyler Gordon selection. The same went for Jaquan Brisker in round two at 48th overall. And then third round 71st overall with Vilas Jones Jr. Is I know the one that you and I are most excited to just tear this organization <laughs> apart for us, but you know, polarizing night overall, but how you doing? And then what were your thoughts on the way that the Bears board felt tonight? Uh, well, if you want to know how, how I'm doing here, I'm uh, drinking, it's called Big Brother Hard Root Beer. I'm at that point in my alcohol storage for uh, my fridge right now. So this is where I'm at. Uh, and I, I just, for some reason, I guess the draft picks gave me the urge to crack open this, but I mean, that, that's, if that's any indication of how I'm doing tonight, uh, yeah, um, definitely a mix of emotions, uh, to be quite clear here. And this, and this, oh, man, it's, it's, it's tough because I, I think when you look at the second round picks, obviously we'll delve deeper into it. Um, and we can kind of just go pick, pick by pick here, I guess, but um, you know, it, it's weird because I like the players in the second round that the Bears got. I just the strategy is what I'm kind of struggling to comprehend here. I guess we're, I guess not struggling to comprehend because I kind of have a feeling of what they're trying to do, and I get it. Uh, I just really be it 
vehemently disagree with it. And then the third round pick, Gillis Jones Jr. Um, I mean, yeah, we can get to that one later on here because um, that was a head scratcher for me as well. And then, um, you know, I had, I was really looking forward to tonight. Obviously, Bears not having a first round pick. A lot of anticipation to see what Ryan Poles would do in his first draft here. And so far, I'm, you know, pretty underwhelmed to be be quite honest here. So you say if you want to go into this thing here and we just kick this off, you know, uh, do you want to start, I guess, with the Kyler Gordon pick here and just go pick by pick? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the way we're going to do this is we're going to talk about the Bears selections, but then just get into our other general thoughts from around the league and kind of what we saw, because I've got the draft playing on my TV right now as we speak. But look, you know, you look at Kyler Gordon, and I think something needs to be said here, because we knew that cornerback was a significant need for the Bears, and we highlighted this throughout the offseason and said, if you're going to rank the Bears' needs, it's going to go wide receiver and offensive line. Those were interchangeable at one and two, and then cornerback was going to be number three no matter what the situation circumstances were, you know, you could have, the bears could have sat on their hands and given Thomas Graham jr. A shot to start opposite Jalen Johnson, knowing that he is a big physical cornerback, but ultimately I think you look at it and Kyler Gordon just makes sense from a scheme perspective. And again, if you've got thoughts and stuff too, go ahead and chime in. We'll project some of them up on screen. But the point is, is Kyler Gordon, I think, is just a freak athlete. He plays with really good long speed, really good footwork, really fluid at the hips, you know, and he's just a solid cover corner in general. And then I think his confidence, and I just wrote about this on the Bear Report website as an article. Go check that out. His confidence, I think, is the biggest aspect of his game. So this is a player that a lot of people ourselves included had first round grades on but ultimately he fell to the second round simply because there was a run on wide receivers and offensive linemen in the middle part of the first round which pushed him out of round one so Gordon I think is going to be a really good player both in the short term and long term for the Bears and he's someone that's going to give the Chicago Bears a legitimate um building block and a legitimate core piece next to Jalen Johnson. So the Bears cornerbacks are now set for the next couple seasons. And that's really positive because, again, you, you're you in a pass-happy league, and we're seeing now that one cornerback is great, but you need to have two really good cornerbacks who play at a high level that have traits such as size, speed, athleticism, strength, you know, coverage ability, the ability to shift with ease playing from inside to outside to be able to have a long career in this league. Yeah, absolutely. And I look, I mean, we, we can certainly, there are some things to question about the bears draft so far and um, we'll, we'll get into that as we go, but I think going cornerback here with Keller Gordon does make some sense from a, you know, big picture viewpoint here because cornerback, you know, it is a valuable position. Um, it's one of those top five, you know, we look at quarterback, offensive tackle, pass rusher, quarterback, wide receiver. Those are kind of the five positions you want to be really strong at here in the Bears. You know, they've they've, they've been pretty weak at that spot the last couple of years. Obviously, Jalen Johnson, um, he's probably the one solidified guy who's going to be here long term for you. They signed Tavon, was it Tavon Young? Yeah, Tavon Young uh, to be their slot guy in free agency on kind of like a one year 
minimum type of contract, but no one really else at that other outside spot. And Kyle Gordon, you know, he can fill that really well. I, you know, I actually, in a vacuum here, I do like the value of getting Kyle Gordon at this spot. I think he's a really good player. Um, he's a great athlete. Um, I know he didn't run as fast as I thought he would um, at his you know combine and pro day or whatever, but everywhere else, like this guy is a phenomenal athlete. He's got great agility. He's got great explosiveness. Um, you know, he's got pretty good size for the position. Like you kind of said, he, he has versatility to play both in the slot and the outside. So I think he's primarily going to play on the outside in Eberflus defense, but, you know, we'll, we'll see where they end up putting him. Um, so I actually don't mind this pick as much. And when the pick happened, like, I was like, okay, I don't, you know, I, I would have done something different there. Like I would have tried to trade down uh, because I felt like, you know, at, at that spot, you know, they were in a good in a pretty good spot there to move down the draft board a little bit and you know still get a wide receiver or still get an offensive lineman and pick up some extra draft capital or even you know if they wanted to address defense you know even still address defense by trading down so that's the first thing I would have done and obviously offense obviously I would have preferred much preferred they do an offense and we'll get into why that's the case um, as we go forward into this live stream here but Overall, you know, it's tough to hate this pick in particular because in a vacuum, it, it is a really good pick. It fills a position in need. Um, he's a really talented player with a lot of upside, and they got a good value on him. I thought Kyle Gordon was a borderline first-round to early second-round talent, so that is not bad whatsoever. Um, but, again, it kind of goes into this general strategy of, you know, the Bears addressing defense over offense, which I think has kind of been a theme of this offseason so far. And, I mean, that kind of goes into the uh, their next second-round pick, obviously, if you want to get into the details there, because this is where things really start to, you know, kind of go off the rails for me in terms of my sense of emotions for this draft in general. Yeah, look, you know, safety's never really been one of those positions that, you looked at and you said, okay, the Bears absolutely have to address this safety position. And Jaquan Brisker from Penn State, to give people an idea, I mean, we had two safeties drafted in round one, I believe. Jaquan Brisker, I think, was the third guy off the board. You know, I understand why people think he's such a valuable uh, asset here. I mean, he's such a good pick because you see the athleticism shine up on tape. You see qualities such as versatility, toughness. You know, there are times where, you know, he is the growth over the last couple of years. Is, he's kind of gone from hesitant to really instinctive. So you look at him and you say, okay, this is a player that's clearly going, has all the modern traits needed to play in Matt Eberflus's defense. Uh, you know, I know that he did play through injuries at times in 2021, some nagging injuries, but those weren't ever necessarily looked at as red flags. He's played up in the box. He's played really all over the place. Okay. So that's what I like about Jaquan Brisker. Now there are times where the angles he takes are a bit inconsistent, which leads him to leads to him being over aggressive, missing tackles. Um, confidence is not an issue at all. But I really think with Briscoe overall, the game slowed down with him. Um, or the game slowed down for him in 2021. You know, he needs to kind of get better as a tackler. But this is the reason it's such a polarizing pick for me is because like I said, safety wasn't necessarily a need, and I don't think there should have even been a reason for the Bears to go 
defense defense in round two, especially knowing that there were some of the wide receivers like Sky Moore, like a George Pickens, such as an Alec Pierce that were on the board. And so ultimately, this is something that you look at and you say, okay, the Bears made the second selection to kind of go ahead and please Matt Eberflus if we're going to be honest. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, it 100% feels like this is 100% authored by Ibra Flus and his influence on this organization is what these two picks feel like. And, um, you know, it, it's a weird situation because I think with both of these draft picks, it's, you know, I like the players and I think the Bears got good value on them. But that conversation is different from the overall strategy that they're going here in terms of addressing things in the draft, you know. Um, so Brisker, in his case, I think he's a good fit for what Eberflus is looking at at that safety position. I mean, he's a physical player. He's got good ball skills. Um, you know, he's perfect at working down in the box there. He can kind of come up from that too high alignment and work down um, into the first 10 to 15 yards from the line of scrimmage. You know, he kind of pairs well with an Eddie Jackson who is more of that free safety type who um, can go single high and, and go sideline to sideline deep. Um, over the middle of the field there. So in terms of that aspect of things, I get it. But, I mean, it's kind of like you said, at the same time, it, it does feel like, you know, this is Iberflus trying to build his defense here rather than, um, you know, the Bears having an overarching strategy to build things out to get this team to where it needs to go. And, um, and where this team needs to go is to get some damn help on this offense, man, because – you know, look, I'm not saying they had to, you know, stick here and draft a wide receiver or reach for a guy that they maybe didn't like. I'm not saying that. But, again, I have a hard time seeing this as them just going purely best player available here because, I mean, as we'll see in the third round, I don't think, you know, these guys are necessarily the best players available on the board for them to draft. And, um, you know, when you get into the overall discussion of what – needs to happen this offseason one obviously establishing culture is huge for this front office and this team right now because it's a new regime they want to get their guys in here and they want to figure out you know who's going to be the long-term building blocks for this team going forward and i get that but the main important thing here is to find out what you have in justin fields or at the very least put him in a position to succeed and hope that he can continue to flourish before our very eyes as that franchise quarterback. And I just get the feeling that you look at these moves here. I, I don't think you're necessarily doing that. 
And, you know, let's say Jaquan Brisker is your best player available. Okay. And, like, look, I mean, the secondary, you look at it right now for the Bears, it's looking pretty solid on paper here. You have Jalen Johnson, you have Kyler Gordon, you have Walker and Thomas Graham, I think, you know, competing for that slot position, which, you know, I, I think that gives you four solid corners right there. And then the safe spot, you got Eddie Jackson, uh, you got Dan Kirkshank, who they just drafted to get Brisk, uh, they just signed this free agency. You got uh, Brisker here, who they just drafted. And then uh, DHC is back on a one year flyer deal. So on paper, the secondary looks pretty dang solid right now going forward. And I think that's what a lot of Bears fans are pointing out who are defending this, uh, these selections here. They're saying, well, look, our secondary was a weakness for us last year. Everyone's complaining about how bad the secondary was and how, you know, Pace neglected this, uh, the secondary uh, last season. Now we've made these moves to fix the secondary. And it's like, okay, cool. I get it. But at the same time, I don't care about the secondary when the offensive depth chart is as horrid as it is right now. I mean, just look, let's just go down the starters here or projected starters for the Bears offense right now. At left tackle, you got Larry Borum, who's a second year, fifth round pick, who, yeah, he played well for a fifth round pick last year, but he still wasn't very good. At left guard, you got Cody Whitehair, who's on a big, massive contract, um, coming off his worst season as a pro. And I think he's over 30 years right, thirty years old right now. So he's getting up there in age as we speak as well. At center, you bring in Lucas Patrick, who, you know, was the Packers' sixth man, basically. Um, their swing interior offensive lineman for them the last couple of years. So he wasn't even a full-time star for the Packers, although he's pretty solid um, when he was, you know, given opportunities to start. Um, he was pretty good for them the last couple of years. I'm not saying he was a bad signing by any means. I think he's certainly capable in the role of center. But at right guard, they're you know they're starting Sam Mustaford. It looks like in um, their early training camp, in their early OTAs, I should say, right now, which isn't very good. And then right tackle, Tevin Jenkins, who didn't play, he barely played last year because he was dealing with a back injury all year. And while I love that he's back at right tackle, it seems right now, and I think Tevin Jenkins is an was an awesome prospect coming out. The fact remains that he hasn't shown anything in the NFL that has given us any you know reason for optimism that this guy can be a you know, a stud right tackle. I think he can't get there. I, I love Tevin Jenkins, don't get me wrong, but there are still question marks there. You know what I mean? Um, running back, I think you feel pretty good about what you have there, to be honest, so I'm not going to go down the depth chart. But, I mean, tight end, you basically got Cole Komet, who's just here because he was, you know, from Notre Dame and was a local kid from Arlington Heights. That's pretty much why he's here. Um, he's your starting tight end, and then they brought in a bunch of other dudes who are basically the same players as Cole Komet. So that's fun, I guess. At wide receiver, you got Dardo Mooney who's, you know, good, I think, uh, option here with, with Justin Fields in terms of the play styles there, uh, the skill set matching there. But I think, you know, all the hype about him being this number one wide receiver, I think is a little bit overblown right now. I think he's a solid number two in a good offense, and he'll have to prove himself to be that number one guy, I think, moving forward. I don't think it's a given that he's your number – this number one, you know, game-changing wide receiver you can build a passing game around. You know, it's, it's unproven um, at, at this point. You know, you bring in Byron Pringle, who just, you know, got into some off-field issues already um, before he's even played a snap with the football team, which is fun. Um, and then after that, I mean, who are who, who we going to starting there? David Moore as a third wide receiver, Equinemius St. Brown. I, I, give me a break, man. I mean, this, this roster is putrid on the offensive side of the ball. Like, can you think of a worse offensive unit right now than the Bears? I mean, I, I, I'm struggling to think of any. Um, maybe the Seattle 
Seahawks after um, trading away Russell Wilson. I mean, they still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett there. So, I mean, they still got some solid players to build around there. I mean, their offensive line isn't very good, but they drafted two offensive tackles in this draft. I mean, so they recognized that their offense sucked and they actually went about fixing it. Houston Texans, maybe like I'm just, I'm struggling here because this, it, it, it just made too much sense because you trade away to Khalil Mack, which is basically saying that, okay, nobody's safe on this roster. This is a new regime. We're going to build things differently here. And then they basically just go to building this team like it's the new revamped era of the Lovey Smith days where we're going to get, you know, this cover two guy in here, you know, with the hits mentality, hustle to the ball on defense. We're going to give him his defensive guys on day two. And then as we get to the third round pick here, get him a nice – kick returner in the third round. Okay, fine. <laughs> I guess that's a good segue to get into a third round pick here if you want to break down uh, Bills Jones here, you said. Yeah, well, first I want to, you know, you mentioned a lot there, and I do want to talk about this, is that, look, I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I know you can attest to it on all the Picks for Polls podcasts that we did because we've done – like 15 or 20 for this draft season alone. And one of the things I said was as soon as Khalil Mack was traded, hey, it's a damn gutsy move when you trade away the best player on your roster. And it's not like they got great value for him. It's pretty much just chump change, a second round, a sixth round pick, a second round pick, and then a $70 million dump. And I know Bears fans are like, well, look at all the money we got next year. Yeah, the money you have next year is not the result of having a roster that's filled with young talent it's a result of having a roster that does not have like 53 players presently under contract or even the full 90 the bears are going to have more free agents next year because there's more money than just khalil mack that's coming off the books and you dump this pass rusher for basically a second and six round pick and what do you do you turn right back around you basically tell the fan base yeah we wanted to go ahead and use this money to still build invest Exactly. You're basically saying that. And people don't understand that this is now a league that's driven by two things that I have to repeat every week because the message doesn't get through through to the fan base. It's elite quarterback play and it is elite offenses. And elite offenses are built on elite playmakers as well as elite quarterbacks. If your offense doesn't have speed, explosiveness, if it does not have two, three good wide receivers, two good tight ends, a really dynamic running game, a great offensive line, your offense is going to struggle no matter what. And so unfortunately, you know, for in Chicago, it's like everything that's happened this offseason and that should have happened this offseason should have been predicated on, hey, what exactly is best for Justin Fields? Not best for the defense, not best for Matt Eberflus. What's best for Justin Fields? Because he's the guy moving forward. And the big thing that no one seems to understand is that, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are extremely lucky. And they're extremely lucky because they are walking into a situation where a highly touted and talented quarterback prospect was already in place. Like, look at the other nine teams that hired head coaches this offseason. Which of those teams have a prospect with the upside that Justin Fields has. And a lot of Fields' struggles last year were more so just the terrible offense around him. It wasn't even Justin Fields himself. So is there growth for Fields? Yeah. But did the Bears do enough through two days of the NFL draft? Absolutely not. So when we talk about a guy like Avilas Jones here, I mean, it's another super polarizing pick. And why? Because 
you could have taken George Pickens despite his off-field concerns at 48 overall. Sky Moore was there who went to the Kansas City Chiefs towards the end of round two. And again, the only reason the Chiefs selected Sky Moore is because, look, they want to add to that wide receiver group even though they traded away Tyreek Hill. They say, hey, we know we have McCole Hardman, but we're going to add more and more speed because this is what our quarterback does best. And then Alec Pierce went off the board to Cincinnati, so you had Pickens 52, I believe Pierce 53, Skymore 54. And then here the Bears go selecting Vilas Jones Jr., a player who, by the way, most major media outlets had ranked as, you know, a f- late fourth, early fifth, definitely a sixth round pick. You know, Vilas Jones is number one. Let's get this straight. He's 25 years old. Yeah, he's remained relatively healthy, but he's one of the older players in this draft class. I think he's a super senior or might even be a redshirt senior. But the reason it's such a polarizing pick is because there were players like a David Bell, a Romeo Dobbs from Nevada. Um, You had Jalen Tolbert as well from Southern Alabama, I believe, that were on the board that would have made more sense than Vilas Jones Jr. So is there high... Is there some upside there for a 25-year-old wide receiver? Yeah, whose, again, main role has been on special teams as well as being a situational player or just a star for Tennessee, yeah. But then at the end of the day, I mean, Vilas Jones should not have been anyone's first choice at wide receiver. Certainly should not have been Ryan Pohl's first choice. Now, I hate the selection because... Look, you give props to these guys for trying to get it right by selecting a wide receiver. But where the Bears messed up was because they selected a wide receiver in round three. Now, how they spin the fifth or sixth round and the Bears took Felix Jones, then I would have said, okay, cool. You know what? This makes sense as a low-risk, high-reward, but not something like a third-round pick, which, again, is still in this draft, considering the depth that there is at certain positions, round three is still a premium pick. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of what we had with the first two selections where, you know, the first two selections, like, I like the players. I like the value got them at. I just disagree with the strategy of building defense first. Like, that's totally fine. But, like, this one, it's the opposite. It's the worst kind of bad thing, I think, where they're kind of – they're, like, they're, they're addressing the the right position here, right, at wide receiver. But it, it's just a total reach right there. And this is where this whole best player available thing that I keep on seeing used as an excuse – um, for these draft picks right now, it just makes no sense to me because Vilas Jones Jr., I don't care how you slice it, he is not the best player available here at the 71st overall selection. Um, you know, 
I, I look at his background as a player. When I was looking at him as a player, I, again, I saw him as a day three, fifth round guy as well, because I, I just you look at him again, 25 years old. He's an older prospect. And where you can oppose that with a guy like, let's say like, for instance, Bernard Raymond, 25 years old prospect prospect, but there's a reason for that. He was new to football growing up and he was also transitioning from tight end to offensive tackle over the last couple of years. So there's a reason why he's an older prospect at this point, because He's new to the game. He's adjust. He adjusts to a new position in college, and you know he really only had two years to start at the, that position. Whereas Vils Jones, he's been in college, I think, for what six years, I think. And um, you know the fact that this is a guy who has four three speed, and you can't get a guy who has four three speed on the football field for like five years. It just all of a sudden, this sixth year, he somehow becomes this big time playmaker all of a sudden, like there's a disconnect there in terms of like, how could this guy not get on the field sooner if he's got all this juice and athletic ability and his explosiveness to his game. You look at his athletic profile. I mean, yeah, he has the four, three, 40 speed, but the agilities are below average, you know, or at least not doesn't really stand out. You know, the explosiveness doesn't really stand out. So it's a weird athletic profile that he has here. Now he's got, you know, there are some things to like about him. Again, I, I recognize that the return ability, is a really nice plus. I think, you know, if you're looking for that special teams value, he definitely adds that. And there was, I think, um, I forgot, my, my name's, I'm, I'm blanking on the name here for the scout, um, for the Bears, who's kind of, I, I think, Scotted Jones for the Bears here. But he mentioned Sam how the, Somerville. Somerville, yeah. He kind of mentioned how the special teams coordinator, um, you know, was pounding the table for this guy and that Luke Getsky lets him too. So let's not, let's not ignore that factor as, as well, that Luke Getsky. He is excited about Vilas Jones and he really wanted to get this guy in the building here. So take that for what it is. I just, you know, if you want a wide receiver with speed, you know, there were so many guys on the board here. I think you could have gone with like Calvin Austin. I feel like you know, he's still on the board for whatever reason. I think teams are getting scared off by his size concern, which is probably why he's dropping to day three right now. But I felt like Calvin Austin was a better prospect than Vilas Jones, like a whole, a much better all around athlete. Um, when you look at, you know, his explosiveness, his agility, his, make your missability um, in the open field. Like I liked Calvin Austin a whole lot more than Milos Jones as a prospect. And then if you're looking for a, a, a true like actual wide receiver here, not just a gadget guy, you know, Danny Gray was on the board as well. He ran a four, three as well out of SMU. And this guy can run a complete route, uh, route tree as well. Like this guy is really good. Um, Danny Gray, like he was one of my sleepers in this draft and, yeah, still on the board as well. But like, I th- I felt like both of those guys, like Jalen Tolbert, was still on the board. Um, it's kind of like a true outside wide receiver. You know, the guys that just much better than Vils Jones that are on the board right now. And there are still guys at other positions, like an offensive line. Um, you know, Bernard Raymond was right there again. I, I bring up you know Bernard Raymond, older prospect as well, but it's kind of a different thing because um, this is a guy who's new to the game, who's you know quickly developing throughout um, his college career. Like he's shown like a, a a very fast development track, whereas Vils Jones, you know, couldn't get on the field for a, a long while as a, as an as a great athlete like that. So, um, yeah, it's just I don't know, man. Um, it just doesn't sit right with me at all um, for that pick, and it's just frustrating because again, I go back to this overall philosophy that the Bears have had here under this new regime um, for this offseason and. You look at the first day of frequency, they go out and they try to sign Larry Ogunjobi to a big contract, pretty much letting you know right away where their priorities are at. Like, you know, Ryan Pohl is talking about how he's going to want to be patient in the offseason, yet he goes out in the first day of frequency and tries to overpay for 
a mid-level defensive tackle. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, that didn't fall through. That did fall through, obviously, because of you know medical concerns with Logan Joby. You know, I hope that he can get a contract somewhere else. It's, it seems like his market's kind of been um, slow through this offseason so far. But um, and again, you look at most of the money that's been spent this off offseason. It has been on getting guys on defense for Eberflus and his scheme here. Like it, it doesn't seem like the offense has been paid a ton of attention here. They, they really haven't added a ton of bodies here. They haven't done a lot to change things up um, to the personnel grouping. Um, just, and it's just frustrating because I really felt like Ryan Poles would come into this offseason and really make that a point of emphasis of, you know, look at the trends of where the NFL is going over the last few years. You know, it's not great defenses that are driving these teams that are contending year after year after year. It's these teams that develop great offenses so I would have been totally fine if the Bears came in with the approach this year of, you know, let's just put defense on the shelf for like a year or two and recognize that until we get an offense that is like top half, top 10 of the league year after year after year, it really doesn't matter what you do on defense until then. Because if you have a great defense, but your offense is still bottom five in the league, like you're not winning anything, at least nothing of substance. So it's, it's again, I, I go back to these two, these first two picks. And I get where they're coming from in terms of these are good players here, and they got them at appropriate values for, I think, where they should have gone. The Vilas Jones pick, though, makes absolutely no sense. It's, it screams of, you know, they were desperate for a wide receiver because they didn't take one on, in the second round, and they just reached for a guy that the offensive coordinator liked, and they saw his 4-3 speed and said, okay, I guess that works for us. And that's just kind of the feeling that I'm getting from this, um, this day two as a whole for me. Yeah, I would say this. I mean, it's been a really underwhelming but also polarizing day two for the Chicago Bears franchise. And, I mean, again, it's about 11.48 here on the East Coast. It's 10.48 Central Time. So we're still seeing a lot of these grades for the 2022 draft come in. And, you know, you're, you the, like the guys you had mentioned, like Danny Gray went off the board just as we were started to record this. Oh, but did I also he? think. Yeah, he went to San Francisco with the final oh. pick of the third round. But, you know, Good look, uh, yeah, the point, and, you know, that's what great coaching staffs do is that great coaching staffs, great front offices, they identify that late-round talent, okay? So as much as Bears fans want to kind of crap on Kyle Shanahan for, well, his playoff record, his playoff finishes, I mean, one thing you have to give the 49ers credit for is this is, they can identify mid-round talent, and Kyle Shanahan has always had really well-coached teams, irrespective of the QB position. But getting back to the live stream here, I mean, for the Bears on day three, just a quick preview of what to expect. I think, you know, Ryan Poles is going to look really bad. Well, first things first, he already looked bad in free agency by with the whole Larry Ogunjobi fiasco because that was a player that he threw money at. It's not like Ogunjobi said, oh, I'm going to sign with the Bears. No, Poles and Eberflus collectively as a general manager and head coach combo made the decision to throw money at Larry Ogunjobi, okay? And then that didn't work, and you went with basically a fallback plan in Justin Jones, who, again, Poles and Eberflus are going to look really stupid if Justin Jones has a big year in 2022 and has production similar to what Ogunjobi put up in 2021. But that's not the point. The point is is the fact that, you know, the Bears only signed one real starting caliber offensive lineman in free agency, and Ryan Poles is going to look really bad if the Bears leave, because they have 
three day three picks, right? They've got two fifths and a sixth rounder for now. But Polzer's going to look terrible if the Bears don't add any offensive linemen. I mean, you look at players like in Abraham Lucas. He was on the board when the Bears selected the esteemed Vilas Jones Jr. You look at the Packers. I believe it was at 94th overall that they selected offensive tackle Sean Ryan, who, again, played OT at UCLA, but at the next level, being about six foot four, six five, three hundred twelve pounds, he doesn't have the longest arms. He just makes more sense as a guard. So, and then I believe Denarian Kennard went off the board tonight too. So the point I'm making is that there was a lot of good def. I'm sorry, offensive line talent to be had, but you know the first. The Jaquan Briscoe pick pretty much set the tone for everything. Because, like I said, the first pick, you totally understand why it was made. There's a serious justification. Why the Bears drafted a safety and then kind of compounded their mistake by drafting a fifth-round wide receiver. You know what? It is going to be something that is a big question mark. And if anything, you know, those are some selections that are going to determine kind of what is going on, but our publisher at Bear Report, Zach Pearson, tweeted this. He said, the Bears really love Velas Jones Jr.'s versatility. Said it's a pain for opposing defenses to game plan for those types of players. Yeah, well, Velas Jones, I mean, he has a really good yak threat. So, I mean, he has um, that ability which the Bears haven't really had the past couple of years because, you know, they've been a very stagnant offense where <laughs> it's that Matt Nagy special of, you know, just hitch – Hitch and curl teams to death and, you know, hope that they don't figure out that you're just running hitches and curls every single play, basically. Like, that's not what we're going to be seeing here with Luke Getzey, which I'm very thankful to see. Um, but, I mean, yeah, Bills Jones is a, a nice fit, I think, for that. What they want to do in terms of, you know, getting the ball into their hands, their playmakers early on, um, you know, getting a lot of movement plays in terms of deep crossing routes, shallow crosses, um, you know, deep post. I, I don't think Bills Jones is going to be this deep threat because um, that was never his game at Tennessee. He was always like a he was always better as a yak guy. Um, so I don't expect that to be the case here. But I mean, it, it doesn't change the fact that it's still a massive reach there in the third round. Like I, twenty five year old wide receiver who relies primarily on straight line speed in the third round, who isn't a great route runner, like isn't really polished. I mean. Oh boy. I mean, and it just, and, and the frustrating thing there is that like, I was actually really excited to see what Ryan Poles would do with the offensive line this offseason because him being an offensive line guy, he brought in Ian Cunningham from the Eagles, who's an offensive line guy. Like I thought they would you know, really make that a point of emphasis in, the, in this offseason. They really haven't at all. It's kind of weird because they talked about that a, a lot um, in their you know first couple of press conferences, how they wanted to you know get lighter and more athletic on the offensive line, how they wanted to reshape this unit, and how you know what the offensive line looked like last season just didn't sit right with Ryan Poles. And I mean, other than letting James Daniels go, and obviously Jason Peters wasn't cutting, going to be coming back, obviously because you know he's old, and, and obviously letting Jermaine Effetti go. I mean, what have they really done to address the offensive line here? They haven't done anything, so. Um, you know, I was expecting them to, you know, I was really thinking they were going to go after Bernard Ryman. I felt like he was going to be a perfect scheme fit for them, what they wanted to do in that outside zone, Shanahan style of offense. Um, Dylan Parham went today on, in the third round as well. So he went to the 90th pick to the Raiders, I believe. Like Dylan Parham would have been a great fit. Um, I, I, I would have taken him at 71 easily um, over Vilas Jones Jr. because he can play center or guard for them. Um, and he's just really athletic, you know, pretty strong at the point of attack. 
I'm still I'm still very sad that my guy Cole Strange got picked by the Patriots in the first round because that would have been the guy I was I was gonna be pounding the table for in the second round there. Um, but yeah, it was just I really I really thought they would make offensive line a priority. I'm also disappointed that we didn't see any trade downs from Ryan Poles because now we have this giant gap now between 71 and 148 where the Bears aren't gonna be picking at all and. There's a lot of talent that's going to be leaving the board here. You look at guys like Zach Tom on Wake Forest, like he could have been um, an offensive lineman they could have targeted. Again, it kind of fits that mold of that athletic interior offensive lineman. He played tackle um, in college, but he's probably a guard at the next level. He's available right now. Um, again, Calvin Austin, he's on the board, I think, um, as well. Like I think he's a dynamic player that I think would have been much better than Vilas Jones. If they want to get that three-tech, Perrin Winfrey's still on the board. Um, not a guy I'm a huge fan of, but I know Iberflus loves his three-tech. Um, you know, Chigozium, Aconquo, I think he's probably going to be off the board by the time they get to 158. Charlie Kohler's probably going to be off the board by 158. I mean, those are some really talented players um, still that could be drafted by the Bears here. And because they don't have any picks, because they didn't trade down and they and they – you know, felt they, like they were fine sticking there. And it's weird because I know um, it was mentioned here in the chat here that um, uh, polls must not have felt good about the deals he was getting, um, which I, I, I want to address that because, you know, it's it's possible that he may not have felt good about the deals he was seeing there. But I, I, I have a hard time seeing that because you look at the activity. Yeah, there it is right there. Um, you look at the activity here in this draft in general, like this has been a very trade happy draft. I felt like, especially compared to most years. And yeah, I mean, you need to have a partner, but I felt like they could have had a partner here because there's been trades like everywhere in this draft. So it, it, it's hard to believe that there weren't teams calling them up, telling them like, you know, asking them, you know, to make a deal here or trying to get a deal done here. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense here because we've seen trades at like, it pretty much like literally every other pick um, in this draft. I'm not saying that isn't the case. It's just, it seems highly unlikely to me. And it's just possible that they just really like the players they wanted to get here. Like, especially at 71, I don't know. In the second round, I felt like they could have really trade down there and they did, they just did it. But that's my view of things because there are just so many teams have been so aggressive trading up in this draft that um, it just doesn't seem right to me. So, I mean, I, I would have loved to see them do that. But other than that, man, I mean, it's just – these picks are just very odd, in my opinion. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, and right now, you know, we've got our own publisher, Zach, who's at Hallis Hall. Brian Poles is speaking right now. I don't know why that press conference is not televised, but Poles just made an intriguing comment. He said, we can't fix everything in one year, but we sure can just keep chipping away. And look, the reason that I want to bring this comment up is one, because I think it's incredibly generic. Number two, no one's asking you to fix things in a year and go ahead and you know, turn the bears around, make them super bowl contenders. But I think that 
what you can do is make a couple moves to kind of get yourself closer to speeding up the process of at least being competitive. And, you know, as we begin to wrap this live stream up here, because we're approaching about 40 minutes, is that the Bears certainly, they did that in some cases, but then they did not do that in other cases. Like, I was of the opinion that, hey, as soon as Christian Watson kind of fell, I thought the Bears should have been on the phone at least trying to trade up to possibly look into grabbing Christian Watson. You know, so this is something I think you just overall look at and say, okay, the Bears did something today, but at the end of the day, did they really do enough to warrant kind of being able to at least be semi-competitive in 2022? Because we know this team's not going to compete seriously, but what this team can do is at least play good physical hard-nosed football and at least give fans something to watch out for. And just continue to watch and see the progression from week to week. And, you know, like Eric Martin here says, in order to trade, you have to have a trade partner. Okay, that's cool and all, but then also at the end of the day, guess what? It's like you mentioned, Andrew. There was so much activity going on left and right, especially at the top of the second round, that there's almost always going to be a team that's willing to move up or move down. But I think what happened in the Bears context is that Ryan Poles didn't like the – um value that he was getting on the return for some of those picks. And so as a result, he was just like, hey, listen, let's stand pat. And I think that for the Bears, it would have made more sense at 48 to trade back, even if it meant, you know, getting an additional third round pick, not even having a fourth round pick, just getting, you know, two twos, obviously a high two and a low two, which are trade back a third and then another third nothing in the fourth and then two fifths and a sixth. that realistically would have made sense for the bears but we're going into day three here bears are going to be picking at 148 and 150 overall and then 206 in the sixth round and then bearing any trades that should absolutely do it because ryan Poles just admitted it's hard to see the bears trading up into round four well i mean i'll, I'll say this i think the bears did take a step forward in terms of being competitive um but did they take a step forward in terms of being meaningfully competitive? And here's the difference because I think they made the defense a lot better in this draft by filling out this secondary. Like I feel very confident that Gordon and Brisker are going to be good players for them. I, I feel pretty good about that. But here's the thing though. If you get, you improve your defense, right? You still have, you know, Quinn here for now. I don't know if he's going to get traded, um, but obviously you feel good with the development of Travis Gibson. You bring in Al-Qadim Muhammad. You bring in Justin Jones. You bring in some guys on defense, you know, that you feel pretty good about. You got Roquan Smith there in the middle. Um, so you got some guys there on defense. And you fill out the secondary, which I think um, as we're starting to see in the NFL, you need to have good secondary play if you want to have a good defense. It's not just about the pass rush anymore. So you need to have guys in the secondary. Now they have some guys in the secondary. So they should be theoretically on paper here a lot better on that side of the ball this year, even with the trade of Cleo Mack. Because I get it. I mean, no Cleo Mack, but – He's no longer here this year, <clears throat> but he, he didn't play a ton last year either because he was injured and they were still about middle of the pack statistically for the most part. I mean, I know some of that's kind of fluff and stuff because they had some, uh, you know, outlier performances late in the year. I'm, I'm looking at that Giants game where Mike Lennon was the quarterback and they literally just, the Giants passing game was so pathetic. They couldn't do anything in the passing game. Like that totally made them look a little bit better than what they actually were um, in, in the rankings for sure. Um but again, you get you're getting your defense better. That's fine. But if your defense, again, I say it again, if your defense is good, but your offense is is still really bad, like I'm sorry, I don't I don't care about 
good defense anymore. Like I've been seeing good I, for every year that I've been alive. I'm 24 years old. Every year that I've been I've been alive, it seems like the Bears, other than the Trestman years, have had really good defenses, and it has resulted in nothing because their offenses are always near the bottom of the rankings every single year. Like they can't score points, and you know in today's NFL especially, you need to score points. So I'm not saying again it goes back to that Ryan Poles quote. He's saying, "Well, we're not going to fix everything in one offseason." Okay, that's great. I'm not asking you to fix everything in this one offseason. I recognize that. You know, some positions are just not going to be fixed this offseason. I get it. So if there are going to be positions that are not going to be fixed this offseason, why not just punt on defense, which is not really all that important right now in terms of your long-term outlook and things, and instead fill your resources on offense where that is the more important offensive side of the ball. It's extremely important for your young quarterback who needs some support um, because you look at Justin Fields. He was one of the most O-line dependent quarterbacks in the league last year. Like when you look at his production in a clean pocket compared to in a muddy pocket or when under pressure, like it is like completely night and day. Like Justin Fields is a good quarterback when he's kept clean. When he is not kept clean, the results are not pretty. And he was not kept clean often last year, which is why the results were not very good last year. And your offensive line just got worse this offseason. So I'm just – Again, I'm not asking Ryan Poles like I'm not asking Ryan Poles to be a miracle worker here. He doesn't have to fix this thing in one offseason. And again, while I'm down on this draft, we shouldn't be judging Ryan Poles on his draft on his status as the Bears GM solely off of one draft or one offseason. Like I'm fine being patient in terms of letting this thing play out because next year they're going to have a lot more resources to play with. They should be able to be more aggressive in free agency. They should be able to be able to make more moves in the draft. But it just feels like. They're setting them, themselves up this next year to be more competitive, sure, but it's kind of going to be like those John Fox years early on, where they had that five eleven a year. I think it wasn't that six and ten year. I, I think they were six and ten in twenty fifteen, and then five eleven I think in twenty seventeen. But you know those type of years are the years where I would like to avoid. Like if you're doing great on offense in those years, certainly you want to see that. But if it's one of those things where you know they're having, you're, they're taking strides on defense and they're winning games because of their defense and their offense is still shitty, and, you know, they're taking themselves out of consideration for a top-10 pick again because they're winning just enough because of their defense, like, then you're not actually helping yourself out, I don't think, because now you don't have a premium pick in the next year's draft to to trade down or get an elite player at the top of the draft, and you're just going in circles here. I mean, that's – unless Justin Fields proves to be that guy, which I think he still can, but he's got an uphill – uphill path because of the surrounding crappy situation he's in with the talent around him. Um, you know, that's the quickest way for them to improve, obviously, but you need to help him out still, man. I mean, it's still like quarterback. You need to have him. Even if Joseph Fields is like a top 10 quarterback next year, you got to give him some help, man. I mean, come on. This, this offensive depth chart is just pathetic. It's pathetic. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, this is going to do it from us, guys. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Usaid Kulshan at AJ Freeman 25. Keep it locked in on all the social media accounts. That's Facebook at Bear Report Scout, Twitter at Bear Report, and at Picks for Polls. We're going to be tweeting all about the draft tomorrow, too. Sunday's the day we should be hopping on to do an in state reactions podcast with our publisher, Zach Pearson, just kind of breaking down the 2022 draft in general, as well as Bears' instant reactions, giving an update on um 
you know, how the draft class as a whole graded out. I would say based off these first three picks, it's not going to be super encouraging. But, you know, anything can happen, and the Bears could certainly change that with the three picks that they have tomorrow. But until then, guys, bear down, have a great night, and we will see you guys later. Enjoy the rest of the draft, by the way.